Hello everyone, and welcome to the Get Clean Podcast. I'm your host, Khalil Sharad, and this is episode 23. In this episode, I will be interviewing Coach Phil DeRue. Coach Phil is a three-time award-winning MMA strength and conditioning coach, has his own podcast called DeRue Strong Podcast, and is another conjugate guy, of course. Coach Phil uh, will be dropping a lot of knowledge bombs on how to apply training to MMA, and more specifically, how to apply conjugate, the only way to train. <laughs> it's not the only way, but uh, it's the best way. So, he, uh, he taught me a lot, because, you know, I'm trying to get into this fighting world to switch it up from basketball, so I hope you all enjoy, and let's get clean. Yo. Yo. You hear me? Yeah. Alright, man. Sorry about that. Our fucking internet is shit right now. <laughs> no, no um, problem. I started doing work, honestly. From uh, work, I forgot. I was like, oh, wait. I got some other shit I got to do. <laughs> uh, how you doing, though? Good. You know, long long day today. Uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays are my longer days. Saturdays, too, <laughs> but, but all good, you know? Oh, shoot. I didn't know. you. What, that was the time you only had available, you said, though, right? Yeah, no, I'm good. It wasn't. It wasn't nothing. Just that's just like one of my longer days. But I'm not. Okay. Nothing that we can't do. What time do you usually start? Um. Well, primarily, if you really want to go with it, I, I start around five a.m. So then, mm. and then I got to do m- more so programming work, and then right. now she take my son to school, this and that, and then then I drive about ninety minutes to the gym, and uh, and then I start with my first MMA group around 11 and we don't end till like right now it's not a it's not as bad as when i was at att i used to i used to go like from like 10 to 9 and that was every hour on the hour Ooh. but uh what are you eating freaking bars and protein shakes yeah pretty much bro. <laughs> I, wait. I feel like that's the that's what what always like i'm like you're the busy and busy i get though i'm a eater so yeah. <laughs> no. Like I'll eat while I'm talking to people because I can't be starving. Like, but I don't know if you're a MMA coach, you gotta, you really gotta be showing people the stuff so you can't be snacking, really, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, like the the thing is, is also is like now I have coaches. Like, there you go, right? Assistant coach. I have my assistant coaches and I have my interns. So now they kind of take a lot of that plate because I got my, I'm still recovering from my ACL tear. So like, oh, okay, I just got surgery on it like uh, six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really supposed to be on like that. So I'll get about three or four hours in, and then I'll, I know I have to sit down, you know. But um, but it's all right. I, I like the fact that now I have the ability to delegate my time a little bit more easier, and, you know, and then I work with the people that I need to work with. I'm actually leaving to not tomorrow, but Thursday. I got to go to California okay. to do uh, to do some some consulting, and then some. I got to do some podcasts and stuff like that out there. Okay. Um, so, well, let's start off with, with some intros. Tell everybody your name, where you work, what do you do? Yep. My name is Phil DeRue. I'm the conditioning coach, physical performance coach. I'm a gym owner and also business owner. Uh, I also run a podcast, the Rue Strong Podcast, and work with primarily UFC, Bellator, Judo Olympians, and professional boxers, more of a combat sport uh, coach. Mm-hmm. I work. Um, I've worked at several different gyms. I was uh, awarded 
Trainer of the Year Award for the World MMA Awards, or at least I was nominated three times and I won the Florida MMA Awards uh, three times. So this year, I'm, I'm hoping I can get that World MMA Award trophy at this mm -hmm. point. And I've been in it for a while now. Was a was a professional fighter myself for for nine years, and then retired at the age of twenty six. Opened up my own gym at the age of twenty two, and uh, been growing my gym business. Then I'm in South Florida now, so we're a little bit open more than other states. And oh, you're you're in South Florida? Where? Yeah. Where in South Florida? I'm in Boca, Boca Raton. Shoot, I used to live down. I got okay. I keep. I got like million coaches. I'm. I got family in Tampa. I should be going down to Thanksgiving. I got like 50 stops. I got it. So I'm going to have to come see you. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, come by. come by. Yeah, we're actually, we're in the process right now. We have um, we have a 10,000 square foot facility where I share it mm -hmm. with uh, Mo Vaughn. I don't know if you know. Mm -mm. As he's an ex-baseball player. Played for the Red Sox and okay. uh, the Mets and other, other I think, another team, I think the Angels. But um, I used to train him. And so he opened up a facility for his kids. All right. He'll he opened up a facility for his kids to uh to learn how to hit and he was uh asking me if I wanted to come in be a partner with him. So <clears throat> eventually I was like, you know what? I left the gym that I was at and opened yeah. up opened up my own facility and at the mm -hmm. same time he asked me if I wanted to join him. So I actually cut the lease on my other facility to come over here and uh be in Boca because I was in Pompano Beach for a little bit. Oh, okay. And uh and now we're in the process of growing out the 5,000 square feet that is just going to be more of the sports performance side. So on that side, we'll have uh, my boxing coach is going to come in there. So we'll have, we'll have his guys come in. Um, we'll have a boxing ring in there. We'll have bags in there. We'll have a full, you know, training facility. And so hold on. I didn't hear those last like 10 seconds. My dad, my dad started calling me. <laughs> That's all good. So nah, just, uh, like I said, uh, you know, we have, we have, boxing going in there we have uh our bags our ring i got okay. clinicians that are, that are in here now that work with me i have a massage therapist in-house i have a neurotherapist in-house i have a I actually have an orthopedic surgeon that comes by um, man stop bragging yeah. man <laughs> nah bro i have to do it bro yeah, hey, you're right, you're right. anybody's listening on here i yeah. need to make sure you guys know <laughs> right. but um but wait what what's I'm the name of your place your your actual gym because I, I didn't hear that I don't know if you said it but what's the name of your actual gym? I mean it's it's Drew Strong Performance Center. So okay, yeah. I mean I kept it kind of the same with with my Instagram handle and I've been going by that for a while now. So I just decided to run that. I used to have my own gym in uh, Port St. Lucie, which is like again it's like ninety minutes up north, mm -hmm. and uh, that was called Drew uh, Drew Fitness Performance. And uh, grew that gym pretty well, man. I, I think I started at like an 800 square foot facility. It was and I don't even call it, like it was like a closet. Right. It's uh, a garage. That's a garage. Yeah, it, it literally was a garage, honestly. And um, I had like 12 people. One of them was my wife, or soon to be wife at the time. And um, and then, you know, just just from me doing what I was doing, giving the results, and creating a community, it grew the gym exponentially within. I would say six to eight months. And then we went from, from that 800 square feet to 1600 square feet to then 11,000 square feet, which was like crazy. You know, it was a, a little bit too fast in my opinion, but I had, a, I had a cage in there. I had a ring in there. I had all my strongman equipment, all my powerlifting equipment, you know, and then, and then American top team came and asked, you know, actually what happened was I retired from fighting and mm. I asked my, one of my coaches, who's uh, his name's Dean Thomas, 
So he's a he's one of the longtime UFC guys, ATT guy, and he was actually coaching down there. So I asked him if he had any fighters that he needed me to work with because I wasn't fighting anymore, but I wanted to be a part of the sport still. So he's like, well, maybe in luck, um, the 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 strength coach there is now leaving. So if you want to bring down your resume and see what you you can do, and the first day that I got there, um, I trained Dustin Poirier, Yoani, and Jay Shake. Um, actually, no, Tisha Torres first, and then uh, King Wall and Hector Lombard. So these are like really big names in the industry. Mm-hmm. So like, it's kind of like if if I were to go to like the Patriots and train Tom Brady the first day, you know what I mean? So. Wow. Kind of got thrown into the fire there. Um, but the pressure's thing, on, right? Yeah, but, like, the good thing is that, like, I, I know those guys, not from, not from like, watching the UFC, but also right. being training. And and also, I knew what I knew, and I knew that they didn't know what I know. So it wasn't more – it was more of a fact that I was the expert in the room at that point with this given task. So it wasn't right. as bad as you, as you would think. Um, right. But – and I showed I showed what I could do, I guess, and they liked what I did, so I ended up getting a job there. And then I uh, I closed that gym down. I moved the moved the, a gym to uh, like a smaller location in Stewart, Florida, where I used to do all of my videos and doing like personal training and stuff. And that's when I started to grow my my digital business, which is like where I do all my programs and all my YouTube and all of that stuff that you see. Uh, if you if anybody follows me now, it's a lot of it is probably coming from social media. Or it's coming from YouTube. Um, I started it there and then, um, you know, started growing it with the uh, with the content that I was building and then with the with the gym that I was at. And you know, fast forward about five years and now I'm here. Um, how did you find uh, Conjugate? Well, I mean, I've, I've ran Conjugate since I was in high school. I played football. What? Damn, lucky. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you I, I lucky, man. <laughs> I, uh, well, if you really want to put it in detail, like I started lifting weights when I was 13 mm-hmm. and like really lifting weights, not like going to the gym and not knowing what the fuck I was doing, right. like lifting weights. Um, and I needed to find out a proper way to, to program. And because of the fact that like the only thing that I knew and there wasn't, there wasn't the luxury of having YouTube or anything like that at that time. I'm 31 years old. So, you know, it wasn't as big as it, as it is now. You can just re- readily find information like you can now. But I remember I stumbled upon um, a Joe Franco article <laughs> because of, I think Joe, because I was looking for football strength and conditioning. I think I Googled it at one point mm-hmm. and Joe, Joe's name automatically popped up. You know, it was West side for skinny bastards. And I read that and I was like, mm-hmm. okay. So what is West Side? So I, then I started looking side, and then Louis Louis articles popped up, and then I took a trip to West Side. Um, I think it was my year of high school. Damn. I met Louis, and I met you know all the guys there. Um, they I threw they threw me into a dynamic effort. So, and um, so I, I I started that way back then, and then you know fast forward I. I I went and did college football and I played for Alabama state. So they ran more of a block style and, and it's, you know, standard work. And it was, it was more heavy Olympic lifting based. Mm-hmm. And right. I'm truly a fan of that. Just basically from the prerequisites that a lot of football players don't have. And mm-hmm. so what I, what I did see was that it, it can work. It just, it just wasn't working for us in a sense, you know, mm-hmm. but I was, uh, I was more intrigued on what Louie was doing and, what those guys were doing over there because you knew that they were the, the strongest gym around. So 
And then I started to read more articles. He sent me some books, and I still have them kind of till this day. I mean, obviously, I, I've read Special Strength Development. Um, I've read Explosive Strength Development for Jumping. But he also gave me, like, these old Soviet books. And I remember they were, like, in, like, three-ring three ring binders at the time. But it was, <laughs> it was the Fundamentals of Special Strength by Verkashansky. And then we had the Medvedev book, which was uh, managing the training of the weightlifter, which where where he finds Prilipin's chart from. So, uh, but I, I found that out, and then I started to like figure out ways to do this and correlate it. Once I started playing, once I started playing football, I started doing my own training. To be honest, and didn't really sit well with the strength and conditioning coach at the time. But <laughs> it didn't matter. The time I was getting stronger, so they didn't care. But um, then I left college, started started doing MMA and then the guy that I used to train with Tony Montgomery who owned a, a strongman gym and a powerlifting gym nearby I used to go to him and he would run me through Westside and so we were doing that thousand since I was 20 years old I was really getting heavy into it because he was more along the powerlifting side so I was actually getting to see how it actually played out from the powerlifting side of things and he was a strong man too, so he would implement that as well. We had all the equipment this time, so it was, it was almost like I stepped into another West Side in a sense, which was cool, um, you know. And then when I became a coach or I started training people, I would use conjugate loosely with a lot of like GPP clients, you know, and I would do more sled drag variations and and everything of that nature. But I, I found it first of all, it was very hard to you know obviously get them doing true conjugate or true West Side conjugate, which would be max dynamic effort we had to get these people functioning well so that was first and when i started training myself for fights and training my my at my uh my teammates um then i started implementing a three-day split because we couldn't we couldn't actually have four days to train especially in mma and then when i got the job at american top team i found out that these guys super hard because these are the elite so they only had really give or take two days a week to train with me. I had to condense this model. So I was like, I knew, I knew, and I try to do different things. I try to do, you know, daily and weekly undulation. I try to do, you know, different block styles, even linear progressions. It just didn't work. Like a lot of the times we just didn't get enough volume in on those, on those things. And then, you know, a lot of them, it, it, it came to down to a scheduling issue. It came down to a timing issue. Right. Um, a lot of guys would come to me six weeks out. Or they would come to me uh, 12 weeks out or not even knowing when they're going to fight, but make sure that they were ready. So if I have one on a linear progression, for instance, they're on a hypertrophy or a hypertrophy you know, phase of training and they automatically get a fight in two weeks. Well, now they're fucked because they don't have, they're not really physically capable of doing what they need to do inside the cage. So I had to come up with that, with that same concept of always keeping them ready. And so I had to, again, I had to condense it to two days. So I came up with the idea of mixing both dynamic and max effort days on the same day, but I didn't want to do both lower and upper on the same day. Right. But I didn't want to do lower dynamic, lower max, because I knew that, or I actually found out that it fried the CNS hmm. and they couldn't recover that day, especially with their legs being so, so taxed from both sides of the force velocity curve. Right. So I was like, all right, how can I manage this? And I was like, all right, well, I'll do dynamic effort on Tuesday, which is our days where actually they spar. Because I like to keep the, the high days high and the low days low so we can recover on the low days and not have to span it out throughout the entire week, especially in camp. So they have like more of a, a low high, low high uh, week 
right? And so that Coach, you're breaking up a little bit. Is there any way you could upper, get somewhere with uh, max effort lower and then and then swap it out 72 hours? <laughs> so that's what we ended up doing, and again, that's what that's what. Can you hear me? Nah, you. I just missed like 45 seconds. <laughs> you were going in and out. Yo. Can you hear me or no? Uh, are you are you there? Thanks, bro. Let <laughs> me try this. Hey, yo, can you hear me? The- yes. Yeah, I can hear you, bro. This fucking internet's terrible. <laughs> I don't know. Is what there happened. a bunch of people on it? No, it's just. Uh, I mean, we had a storm that whole week. Oh. It's been fucking us up recently, uh-huh. but um, and we're in a business center, so it's like, let's see if I can go, see if I can go out a little bit more, see if that works. Can you hear me, sir? Yeah, I can show you. All right, so, uh, let me know if you can't. All right. Okay, I will. But um, I don't know where I left off. Um. Oh shit. <laughs> uh. Can you hear me, sir? Yeah, I can still hear you. I'm trying right. to think. Let me go outside and see if that works. But um, oh, yeah, I forgot where the fuck I was. Oh yeah, so you you were doing a two day split, and you were it. doing the lower body dynamic after on um, max effort, upper or something like that. You were saying. So yeah, so what I what I found was that if I did if I did max effort lower, max effort or uh, max effort lower, and dynamic effort lower, then it would just fry their CNS right. So they went cover fast and it didn't matter what we did because again you have not just strength and conditioning going on but you also have like wrestling you have sparring you have all these different demands going on at that even in that day not just the week right so i was like all right i need to get i need to get as much density of training in as possible within these two days but i also need to make sure that they're physically and you know physiologically ready for the fight if it does come up on short notice so I was like, all right, we'll run conjugate, but I'm going to have to condense both. So I did, I started doing dynamic effort upper on day one and max effort lower on day one. And then I would switch it every, so I would say on Friday, let's say Tuesday, we did dynamic effort upper, max effort lower. On Friday, we did dynamic effort lower, max effort upper. And it's worked for us. Um... So I ran that with, yeah, I ran it with Yohan and Jake, with roughly 60 to 70 fighters at the level. And um, lo and behold, guys were getting stronger. You know, PRs aren't a big thing for us. Again, seeing those numbers go up, obviously that's going to give me an indication are getting stronger. Or if they're getting stronger at a certain lift, I make sure that that lift has more correspondence to the sport, whether it be a zercher squat or a floor press or something that's going to have that dynamic correspondence. Um, when I see that go up and then I get, I get feedback from either the coaches or I get feedback from the fighters telling me that they feel good, they feel stronger in their training, 
that's a good indication that, okay, we're doing something right here. Right. And, and another thing that we were trying to make sure we maintain is the speed of the sport because of the fact that it is a, it is a more of a, more of a high power or repeat power sport. The goal is to always make sure that you are increasing the rate of force. So I was, again, trying to work on that dynamic effort at least two days a week, making sure that we stay in line with Prilipin's chart or at least the, the right amount of maximal recoverable volume that that athlete could attain while, again, only training two times a week. Now, if I had three times a week, which now I do, I change it to a three-day model. So now I'll have the two days dedicated to max effort and then the, the third day is dedicated to a full body dynamic effort. And usually you're looking at an eight week camp. So you have eight weeks to get a fighter ready primarily mm-hmm. within those eight weeks. I'm going to be focusing on increasing maximal strength, but maintaining that higher velocity. Right. When we get closer to the fight, you say you could call it phase two, or you could call it stage two, which would be four weeks out from the fight. Now I'm actually looking to enhance rate of force, speed, strength, qualities, and explosive strength. So now instead of working on max effort, we do things like contrast sets. So with the contrast set, it still allows me to maintain strength while increasing the rate of force and explosive power. And for the most part, I needed to make sure, especially these guys, because they're fighting at the highest level, I didn't want to put them in a, position where they may get injured so i would do things like isometrics and i would do static or overcoming isometrics and i do a static dynamic so again they would do something in a certain position whether it be their mini max in let's say a mid-thigh pull or let's say you know uh, a zercher squat into pins i always like to do overcoming isometrics because if you're looking at force well that's the highest rate of force that you can produce because it has zero velocity, right? Mm-hmm. But today I would take that, I would do two to three second maximal effort isometric, and then they would go ahead and do some type of explosive power movement right after that in the same movement fashion so that we can increase that explosive power from that range that is accentuated into the fight itself. Or whether it be, you know, again, getting in on double underhooks or, you know, shooting in on a blast double or something like that those things kind of correlate over because those are going to be the specific movement patterns in those specific ranges in those planes of motion that are going to be successful. Yeah. Can you hear me? Now I can hear you. You went out for like 10 seconds. Oh my God. <laughs> and I was spitting some good shit. All right. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, that's, that's pretty much it, it in a nutshell. Yeah. Well, that was beautiful information. I, well, just like a little info on myself, reason why I wanted to bring you on so much because uh, I played basketball in college and I uh, play a little bit of semi-pro, but now I'm full-time coaching. And I'm trying to – I want to get into another sport, and I did boxing when I was younger. My dad used to train fighters, and mm-hmm. I did kung fu, but I never did any groundwork, so I'm thinking about getting into jujitsu. And then I want to do some striking because I want to learn the demands firsthand of sporting because I want to train fighters just because mm-hmm. that and football intrigues me, you know, because I've been around basketball. So it's like I, I know that kind of like off the bat, back of my hand. Yeah. Like I want to get into that more. So 
man, you already you already dropping shit. I'm not even asking that many questions. So it's like, <laughs> I yeah, mean, yeah, really, yeah, it really, it. it really isn't nothing that I I don't hide anything. Honestly, you know, I, right. I do have I do honestly I do have a, a coach's mentorship that you can sign up for. It's like an online course, mm-hmm. um, which is is a blessing for me because there's like 350 coaches from around the world. And they share so much information with each other, which is crazy. You <laughs> really see that a lot, you know. And um, but yeah, it, it's good to have really trying to hide anything, is, especially if you're somebody that is looking to learn, you know, and mm. reach out to learn. And I'm the same way, man. Like I probably pick your brain on some basketball training, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> like I played basketball maybe maybe for like six months, and I and I found out that I was only going to be about five eight, and I said, all right, this is, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm only five ten, and I got to D two. I think I could have been a really good fighter. My body type is like I look like a running back, so people yeah. <laughs> think like, "Oh yeah, where'd you play football?" I'm like, yeah. "Nah, man, I play point guard." <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, yeah, I think that you have, you got long arms, right? Yeah, I got long arms. Yeah, that's that's perfect. As long as yeah. you have long limbs, you'll be good as a fighter, man. I, <laughs> I, I feel like the people that are long limbed they last longer because they're not gonna get hit as much. That's it. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I, well, from what I see, I see a lot of fighters, um, just from the little bit I watch, cause I'm, I'm not a fight fanatic just because I spent so much time watching basketball. Mm-hmm. But like, from what I watch is like a lot of the dudes that can box and can really like, you can tell they can really strike and just smart enough to be like, I'm not going to beat you at your game, which is ground. Yeah. Like you could just tell like their skills so much higher yeah. I don't know if that's just because you have a lot more like jujitsu guys that then learn to strike. Maybe it's just harder to do. You know what I mean? That's like for me, it's like I want to do jujitsu to learn to defend myself, not so much be the greatest at taking down. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like now, I know you probably like this motherfucker don't always fucking talk because I don't. But I'm just saying, like you know, like I feel like my background is boxing and striking, nothing to do with jujitsu. Yeah. But I'm just smart enough to be like, well, let me get good at what I suck. You know how it's Louis like attack your weaknesses before you just keep focused on your damn strength. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in MMA, I mean, your goal is to plug in gaps, right? Because if you have a hole in your game, well then it's going to get exploded. But there is a thing though, like you do want to also make sure that your strengths are stronger than anybody else's other strengths. So you get guys that are, they do have a background in boxing. Don't totally negate that boxing training because that's what, that's what, Right, and that's what you have a background in. It's like a lot of guys that have a jiu-jitsu background; they're black belts and world champions. A lot of the times, you know, they abandon the jiu-jitsu because they want to prove a point, and that ends up not yeah. really working out for them. Where they could just rely back on what got them there, usually because yeah. that's something that that guy isn't world class in. You're trying mm-hmm. to fight a guy that's world class in the thing that you're trying to beat him in, which would be striking or grappling or whatever. He's smart enough to know where is the strongest part of the game going to be for you. And again, I'm not saying don't attack your weaknesses, but what I'm saying from a, from a, from a game planning perspective, it's like, yo, it's like, why am I, why am I give up the rock when I can fucking shoot, you know, three all day and lay him, lay him down. It's, it's similar to that. You know what I mean? Right. And for, from a, from a physical preparation standpoint, yes, we definitely got to plug in gaps, but we make sure that that's done outside of camp, right? So when you start camp, the goal now is to transition into what you're actually going to be doing inside of the fight. And that that comes that becomes more of the focus point, whether you are 
more of a grinder, right? Where you like to, you like to grapple, you like to work on the cage. Then we know you're going to need a little bit more quasi isometrics, you know, a little static Mm -hmm. strength, and you're going to need to be able to explode out from a static to dynamic position. Um, now, if you're more of a, a more of a striker and you like to move a lot, well, now I'm going to be working more footwork drills, and I'm going to be increasing your plyometric ability, and you know those things. And then, and then you got to look at the the opponent, what their strong suit is. Are they going to be looking to take your your you know your guy down, or are you going to look to you know try to take that guy down? It's, it's just it's just trying to figure out all these pieces and then figuring out what's the best option. For, for the preparation going further. Um, do you guys have, do, I mean, do you have your fighters free squat? And how much is it compared to like when you have them box? I mean, I have them box squat closer to a fight just simply because, mm. I mean, we know how to do it now. You know, a lot of people, they box squat right. and they're really not box squatting. <laughs> so, right. but we've come to the, especially my boxers, because a lot of my boxers mm. have, have had more time with me. You know, they've been consistently coming in three or four times a week for five years. So, like, I have a, a world champion, a two-time world champion boxer, Maureen Shea, who's actually my my personal assistant right now, but she's also getting ready for a <laughs> WBA title. Uh, yeah, oh, sure. and then I have – What weight class? She's going to be fighting at 122 for the title, um, but she's okay. fought at 118, 125. But, um, but yeah, and then, you know, Sullivan Barrera uh, – Big name in Cuba. Uh, he's been fighting forever. He's 38 years old. And, uh, I mean, these guys, when they came to me, they really didn't know how to lift weights. You know, obviously, a lot of boxers. Right. Um, but now getting them to the point where they are fishing, they are fishing <clears throat> in those movements, now we can start to load them in those higher levels of intensity. And so, you know, getting back to the question, I would say a lot of times I'll do box squatting closer to the fight because it doesn't get you sore, right? We want to. That sort right. of, so eight weeks out, <clears throat> we're going to primarily be focused on box squatting. Um, if they're not doing max efforts, if they're doing, let's say, for instance, heavy efforts or, you know, max triples or something like that, then um, then I won't change it. I'll, I'll keep it because, again, we can keep that going. As long as it's not a maximal effort on that lift, we can kind of manipulate the system by changing bars, changing, you know, grips and changing foot, you know, foot positions and things of that nature. Even changing box heights. I've done that, too, as well. Um Free squatting, the only free squatting I'll do um, is a front squat, and I'll do a zercher squat. So those are, like, my my three go-tos, especially for MMA. I like the zercher. Yeah. I, I, I was yeah, I like the zercher. That. I like the split squat zercher um, just because. Split squat zercher. Oh, okay. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, tell me why. I feel like I have it in my head, but I don't know the name of the damn move. Go ahead. Yeah, so I mean, I mean the split squat zercher would be directed – towards a takedown right so like if you're going to take down somebody primarily what you're going to be doing is staggering your feet you're going to shoot in and try to get under hooks which is again that's where your bar is sitting on the crooks of your elbow so that the weight is distributed from that tension gradient is very similar to the movement of a of a takedown right um so and then again you have multiple things going on there so there's a little bit more muscle uh, upper back activation and you kind of need that, especially in, in a grappling style sport or if they are a grappler or if they are a puncher and need to make sure that their back is stabilized in order for them to produce power from their punches. So that and then obviously with the box squats, I find that I find that, you know, a lot of these guys are quad and back dominant. So 
a lot of their, their their low backs and their quads are stronger than their hips and their hamstrings. Um, so I like to get their feet out wide. <clears throat> Again, Louis always says this too. It's like you know, wide will always help close. Close will never oh, never help wide. <laughs> and what I found was that a lot of these guys either they lack the the hip internal external rotation, and they lack the they lack the ability to flex and extend right the hips in a sense right so if i'm looking at it from that perspective i need to make sure that they can produce force laterally and that they can get more hip dexterity and so with that it's going to help them one be able to evade certain situations especially in jiu-jitsu and they're also going to have more lateral force displacement being able to get in and out of the pocket better so that their movement becomes more sound and more efficient that's all we're really looking for when it comes to strength training is making them more physically efficient and then throwing the technical side in there so that, again, that enhances the energy output. It, it, now, if they're boxer, I know you said you, you, um, you'll change the height, but, like, for max effort, I would imagine you're changing the height, like, would be often, but if you're doing like speed day, would if the person has mobility, would you do parallel? If the person doesn't have mobility, would you just do a little bit yeah. higher than that or whatever? I mean, whatever they can basically get down. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Good form. I would say, I okay. mean, we do three week pendulum waves. I'll do a two, three week pendulum wave. So we like to start 12 weeks out. Uh, sometimes we don't get the opportunity to, but you know, again, we'll still get at least one three week pendulum wave where I'll go. 50, 55, 60 with 25% band tension if they have the speed ability to do it. Sometimes my guys aren't explosive enough, believe it or not. And a lot of the guys that were coming from like jujitsu backgrounds, they don't really have that explosive power enough to utilize the bands appropriately. So it's really pointless to use bands when a guy's not really efficient in lifting yet. So we'll, well, I'll take them off the bands until I feel like they have developed that ability that intra and intermuscular coordination and their ability to force off the box or whatever they're doing off the floor. Um, when it comes to the box height, you know, I go off of what their prerequisites have, right? So I'm going to try to find out, okay, how much, how much overall flexion do you have and how low can you get without, you know, your spine being compromised? And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll either raise it or lower it depending on the person. And the good thing is like, I have monoliths here and I have adjustable boxes. So it's like, right. <laughs> that monolith. Yeah. Yeah. I just got that in from elite FTS and, <laughs> And honestly, I, I'm like, I fucking, I'm kind of spoiled with it because I'm so used to, <laughs> I'm used to it as a power lifter, but now watching, being able to be like, all right, I can throw, you know, my 115 pound judoka with my fucking, you know, 200 pound judoka mm. in the same, in the same rack because I could just <laughs> change the height quickly, you know? <laughs> um. Okay, so the, for the less explosive guy, will you do explosive percentage from thirty to forty, or are you just taking off the band and just doing fifty to sixty with just the, the bar? I'm just straight? working. I'm. I mean, there's a lot of damn. I had this conversation with one of the get one of the guys I, I actually mentor because he, you know, Brian Mann and Jim Aware. They'll say that velocities for speed strengths is going to be somewhere around one point zero to one point five. <clears throat> And then Louis is going to go ahead and say, you know, it's, it's 0. 0.8 to 1.0. And then, you know, right, you got dude. you got winning that's going to say, Matt's going to say, it's, it's fucking <laughs> 7.5 to 1.0. It's, it's really, you're looking at speed on the bar. Like, my whole thing is, like, trying to find out, all right, is that man, is that person 
hitting the weight appropriately in a submaximal effort, right? And the bar, and I always like to see, okay, can they make that bar click at the top? Right? I'm lifting it off the uh-huh. ground, and I hear that thing pop off the ground, and I can hear it click, but not heavy and not 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 heavy enough to where they're grinding it out. But it's not light enough to where I, I can see them actually be able to jump off the floor or throw it off their hands. You know what I'm saying? Then that would be considered explosive strength in my opinion. So whatever percentage that you find that you can get to an adequate speed that still is going to be able to produce some force, that's where you want to be at. I mean, I guess that's the most simplest answer, right? And um, when it comes to bands, you know, if, they're, if they are explosive and you know they're one rep max – and at 50%, it looks like it's going to fly out of their hands or they have to decelerate so hard that they, their back comes off the bench when they go to bench press it off their chest, well, then we'll throw some bands on. You know what I mean? Right. Um, what are your – oh, no, no, no. You already answered that one for me. What do you do for conditioning? I know they obviously – I mean, in my opinion, or from what I hear, a lot of – especially with conjugate guys are like, well, I'm just going to focus again or strong – because I can imagine they're doing so much conditioning. They're doing two or three different uh, – they're boxing, they're striking, and they're doing jujitsu. But, like, do you do anything with just, like, sled, ATPs, that type of conditioning with them? Because I'm sure they're beat up already from doing everything See, here's else. Here's the thing, though. It's like I still have to get them prepared for a fight, right? So it's not really just okay. about getting them yeah. strong. There's so many other demands. There's so many other, you know, things that need to be put into place to get them ready to so, um, right. it depends on the person, really. It depends on what their game, like I said, their game plan, their opponent's game plan. Um, mm. it also depends on if they have an aerobic base, it depends on if they're fast switch or slow mm. switch. There's a again, I could go on and on about this shit, but the goal really is to first find right. out okay, let's run them through an assessment, let's see what they're lacking in, let's find out what their limitations are, and then we can try to attack it as we possibly can. <laughs> You know, a lot of times it's very hard to find out true limitations of an individual because you have to go through lab testing upon lab testing to get that done. And a lot of times it's really just finding out the background of an individual, what they've done in the past, you know, um, what their past training was like. If they were a wrestler growing up, if they were just a a jujitsu practitioner growing up, then you're going to know, Okay, well, it depends. They might have more muscular endurance than a guy that's been boxing, right, for the whole life. A guy that's been boxing his whole life has obviously have done a lot of road work. So you know that their aerobic capacity is going to be fairly better or higher than the guy that's doing more of that anaerobic work. Um, Let's say, for instance, like an ex-football player, right? I got got a guy by the name of Greg Hardy who played in the NFL at the highest level, was one of the Know, biggest names in the NFL yeah. at one point. The guy is so powerful. I don't really need to do any real speed strength work because he's probably going to hurt himself anyways. Mm-hmm. So he has he has years of beating himself up and doing explosive things on the football field. What I need to do now is I need to get his one his aerobic capacity up because that's going to enhance all those other energy demands. And two, I need to make sure that he can control his heart rate and also bring about power consistently through the rounds. If it goes that far, you know, he's a heavy, so it don't really last that. <laughs> um, what are, what are some SPP variations you do for accessories and conditions? Um, so I do a lot, man, to be honest. I, if you check, I, I like to find out all the, I like the variations. I'm also trying to find that because I know shit for basketball. I don't know. I, I do a lot. I do a lot. I mean, if you check out some of my Instagram, like I'm just really, 
I'm really looking at like yeah. what the weakness offer, and a lot of it's gonna come from the posterior chain primarily. Um, right. Again, like I said, hips, you know, increasing hip dexterity, opening up the hips. So, a lot of wide stance, good mornings. Um, we'll do, we'll do things that are going to enhance contralateral stability um, and posterior chain strength. So I'll do things like rows with the dumbbell. I'll do different variations on the GHR where I'll lay them flat out. Um, prone where their hips are off the pad and they'll have to do some type of row variation and then go into some type of RDL or I should say some type of extension, hip extension and back extension. Um, I'll do single leg variations where it'll be a rear foot elevated split squat with a good morning. Uh, so they'll go into a squat, then right into a good morning, kind of similar to like more of what you would do inside a, a takedown uh, or squatting to get underneath and then good morning to hip them up off the ground. Mm -hmm. So something along the lines of that. Then when it comes down to the sled work, we kill the sled work. I, I have I have no sleds every fucking day. Um, so they'll they'll go GPP. We'll either do four to six trips of 60 yards for more of that repeat power endurance, and that'll be more fast twitch, obviously hitting every step like a start step. Um, we'll do some more like restoration work, aerobic capacity work, where I'll have them put on um, <clears throat> roughly like – roughly 50 to 70% of their max. And I'll, and I'll get sled pull, I'll get sled drag maxes on them, actually. So I'll do a max of 60 yards and see how see how long they can, uh, it takes them and what weight they have on there so that they can, so I can gauge out what I'm going to be doing with weight. Um, but I'll do like um, about 40 to 50% for the aerobic capacity and I'll do about 80% for that power. And the aerobic capacity stuff is going to, longer in duration we're talking you know somewhere around 10 to 20 minutes and um they'll just set non-stop non-stop so they'll be there okay and and a lot of times i'll make sure that like if they're you know if they're not if they're not moving as efficient as i want to i'll throw something in there more of a cognitive i have to memorize a certain number or memorize a certain color um uh, we even call out different Ooh. types of like math problems they have to solve on the spot. Just keep them mentally there, okay. to be honest with you, because again, nobody really wants to walk with a sled for you know twenty minutes at a time. So it is good <clears throat> to 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 change up a bit and get them thinking while they're slightly heat. Um, but again, it, you're you're increasing the fast switch mitochondrial density, increasing the capacity of the fast switch fiber, and um, and that's primarily what we want to do, especially like setting a baseline for camp, you know, and getting them. Prepared. Um, local muscular endurance is key, so I get I do a lot on the belt squat. So we'll do belt squat marches. Um, I'll do I'll do it for time most of the time. So I'll go five five sets, one minute on, and one minute off. And that one minute off is either going to be some active recovery, where they'll be shadow boxing, and then I'll even have them shadow box and pummel inside of the belt squat too as well. Um, I know that <clears throat> I talk with Tom Barry, who works for a lot of the guys at Westside. Mm -hmm. And he sets up, he'll set up like four different, uh, four different belt squats or ATPs in, in, like, in like a corner. And they would have to grapple each other in the middle. So they would come together and with grappling. Oh, yeah. And they'll do that for five minute rounds. You know? so I'm like, I mean, I mean, they're fucking crazy over there. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I, I, I'm down for that, but I'm saying it's, it's going, it's, that's it. That's all they can do for the rest of the day. You know what I mean? They got other things you got to handle. But um, 
I think, I mean, the reverse hyper has always been a high tool for us. I, I have the old model. I have the strap model. I'm probably going to get the bent pendulum and the uh, dual pendulum. So it's, uh, I like to do the traction on it, uh, especially when it comes down to unilateral movement. Um, a lot of my guys are, they have a lot of bilateral deficits in a sense because they're so fixed in that one position, whether they're softball or orthodox. <laughs> Even me to this day, um, you know, like my, my whole left side is way bigger than the other because I was soft the whole time, you know. And, um, and so you want to balance out that as much as you can. Now it's gotten a little better for my own self. Um, but, you know, it's, it's, it's there all the time. Got to make sure that, again, we're getting that traction. And then we're also working on the posterior chain. I'll do things like um, different variations. I'll do like uh, ISO holds at the top. I'll go unilateral. I'll even do a manual press. So they'll have to hold. They'll do it without weight, and they'll have to come up into the extension. And then I'll go ahead and press one leg down, and, and they'll have to manually hold the other leg up while they're pressing into my hand. So now you have like an like a, a basically open mode of isometric on one side, and building isometric on the other, and I just switch it up. And we'll do like 20 seconds, roughly three to five reps for three to five seconds. Um, for that, that 80% for the anaerobic, is that the four to six trips of six? Yeah, I'm trying to go, I'm trying to go, I'm trying to go fairly heavy, okay, okay. you know, I'm not super heavy where they have to, <laughs> they lose their technique. Um, but again, I'm looking to create force into the ground. Like that's primary thing. And <clears throat> when it comes to the variations, like I'll, I'll make sure that they do every variation. And again, you can also make it sport specific by doing some sort of shot variations or doing some pummeling and moving forward. I've done it was done that with my football kids, uh, my high school alignment. They would come in, they would do hand fighting and try to like grab for underhooks and stuff like that as they were doing their GPP work. And that, that was again for like six to four to six trips for 60 yards at a time. Um, for max effort, lower, do you do what Louis does where you do three week ways of squat good and then dead and repeat? Um, so I I do to a degree because again, remember we have time frame. Um if they if if they've been with me for right, a right. long period of time, we don't have to go through a GPP phase or a transition phase. Then yeah, I'll do a I'll do basically I'll do a squat pattern. I'll do a well I'll go squat. If we're talking lower body, I'll go squat. I'll go some sort of box squat, probably some sort of zercher squat. I'll do a front squat, and then on the fourth week, I'll do good morning. Depending on the person, I change up the variations, you know. But some sort of squat mm -hmm. there. Um, if they if they are really new to training, I don't change the variations as much. I may take their feet out a little wider. Um, I may, you know, I'll go high bar instead of just like mid bar. Um, may change the. The uh, the box height, um, like you know, from fourteen inches to twelve inches, nothing crazy, you know. I just want. What about the dead? Do you? Yeah, do you dead, yeah. Dead I, I, or no? I primarily will do okay. either a sumo rack pull or a trap bar deadlift, and a lot of that's going to be coming from dynamic okay. effort days. Um, I've done, actually, I've I've gotten maxes on on sumo i've gotten maxes on rack pulls i never got a max 
well, I'm not going to say never, but I very rarely will I get a max on a conventional deadlift just because the risk to reward the back. And, and honestly, like I said, a lot of these guys' backs are stronger than their hips. So it's like, all right, let me go ahead and move them out and work. Right. They need to work on. Now, if I get a guy strong ass hips, but his back is weak, quads, you know, quads are not as up to par. Then I'll go ahead and maybe do a conventional or I'll even do a fat bar deadlift because you're hitting the same thing there um, with a trap bar deadlift because the, the bar is situated in the line of the body. I really, I think more of the trap bar, tra- Louis for the gym way longer. Where that happen, but <laughs> I think the trap bar does work well. For, I think it works well for, for athletes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because their mobility is crap. And, and also, I feel like you can take so much time working on their form before they can get a deadlift. But om- I see the like a middle school school that can do a trap yeah, it's, it's, it's like a high, I mean? so it's, it's like, like a high hip squat, in my opinion. Or you know, um, yeah, very easy to teach. Right. I do I do have my high school kids do it. I even have my youth kids do it, um, just to just to learn a squat pattern, and then we'll definitely use it for like potentiation clusters and, and contrast sets and things of that nature because, again, you don't really have to think so much. It's just it's just really set your body up, make sure, make sure that your, your lats are tight and you just go. You know what I mean? So as opposed to a sumo, you have to a little bit more time for a sumo or teaching a correct box squat. You know, even even getting a, an athlete more to get underneath uh, a bar, you know, so that, that comes into play there. Mobility is my biggest issue, right, because – Again, you talk about you just said it like a lot of these guys don't have the don't have that that stiffness in them, where it's because of the fact that they're so guarded. So like the goal for me is one is to increase active motion and control, and then work on work on the ability to get in those positions and work force in those positions. Mm-hmm. All right, All right. Yeah, I'm gonna wait. Um, my bad. Oh, you're good. Um, how much core work do you do? You um, we'll definitely extra? spend the first half of the dynamic warm up with it. Um, first half of the warm up. Oh, the, of the yeah, yeah, the warm up. So we'll go. And a lot of stuff. Remember, we're talking about, about say, we're talking about core work, right? <laughs> we're talking about stabilizing the trunk, right? <laughs> and and so right. that could yeah. be multiple different things. That it's not just like leg raises. You know what I mean? So. That could be that could be bird dogs. Yeah. That could be right. you know dead bugs. That could be uh, bear crawl walks. That could be anything to activate the trunk and stabilize the body. So I'm doing that first for activation, and mm-hmm. then after you know it'll be like almost more of a I want to say a circuit or a superset or giant set style where I'm gonna do some sort of posterior chain. Let's say for instance, if it's a, a lower body day, I'm gonna do some reverse hyper. And then I'll do either a standing uh, crunch with a band or I'll go with the leg raise or I'll go with an ab rollout. I'll go with Russian twist. Um, I'll go with payoff presses in, in different positions. Um, so there's a lot of things. But we definitely spend a lot of time on it. I would say I'll call you in a minute. I would say two days a week uh, with the days. <clears throat> if we have them three days, then they're going to work some, somewhere in three days. Because again, it's it's a huge amount of, of when it comes down to movement on the mats and in the cage and in the ring. You know, if you, it all comes displaced it's from the ground reaction and then also the ability to rotate. So 
a lot of that's going to come from your ability to create force to if I can stabilize you know proximal I can stabilize my body proximal to you know the midline is going to mobility of the outer extremities and it's going to give me a good base of stability to produce that force into a strike or into a takedown or something like that um how much connective tissue work restorative work is key you know we're getting on a daily basis so i'll do a lot of uh just simple stuff man we'll do we'll definitely i have the good thing is i do have a massage therapist not a lot of people do um but not too big on foam rollers, but I can see the benefit of it if you do it the correct way. Um, we call it a pain pill and a boomstick that I got from Chris Duffy. Um, so we utilize yeah. that, especially if guys, especially my boxers, because they have they get huge amount of tendonitis, especially bicep tendonitis, lateral web condylitis, because of throwing hooks, overextending some of the punches. So. <clears throat> that to basically downregulate nociception so all those pain receptors we want to downregulate that so they, they can actually contract their muscles appropriately and it's not hurting them while they're training but when it comes down to lubricating the joints we're looking at high amount of work band extensions good mornings um controlled articular rotations of these capsule we'll do a lot of effort. oh yeah, so I'm you guys do certified. that Okay, I've been I'm getting mine I've soon, known yeah. I've do, I've known Dr. Real Spina for four years now. And um so like when he started because <clears throat> um I didn't know that he and I found out from one of my fighters that took actually. And so I went out there, I took his course and then I took King Stretch and then I went back and did another course just, just to do it. Um and I found out that man, when I need to find a way to increase my in the best way possible, you know, rolling around on a foam roller and smashing your quads with a kettlebell just for me, you know. So, looking at the print RC, and 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 again, it is right. So it it's just what we can use as far as a tool, right? There's other things like PRI when you're talking about postural restoration and and just getting the body aware. I'm looking into doing that. Um, DNS principles, learning how to move efficiently and breathe properly. You know, I look at a lot of Stuart McGill stuff when it comes down to, to the spine and the biomechanics of the spine um, and how to properly breathe and brace and how to use tools and techniques to utilize the ability to do so underneath load. So there's a lot of tools that you can use. But when it comes down to joint health, when it comes down to soft tissue health, like we want to make sure that we are putting the body in the best position to either withstand load or withstand force and produce force. So. Again, increasing stability of each joint, increasing the active in-range control, making sure that your body has the right amount of range of motion passively to get in those positions without any type of damage being incurred. So, in a nutshell. Um, what do you use more, bands or chains? And for which one do you use more for the squat? I use bands bench? more for the squat and deadlift, uh, especially for dynamic effort. I'll use chains for <clears throat> either abrupt loading, if we're doing more of like a static dynamic, or um, let's say, for instance, we're doing like a strength speed block. I would do that with the bench primarily. 
um, because I found that a lot of my guys need to get stronger in the press variations, especially the MMA guys. So with the floor press variations, with the close grip bench, I don't really do a whole lot of regular bench press um, just because I found it beats up their shoulders too much. Do you use uh, specialty bars because of that reason, or or do you uh, just do I use uh, I use I use boards. I use two and three boards, maybe even a four board sometimes. I have a football bar, or a Swiss bar that I use, um, you know. And then we'll just go close grip variations, and I'll even do a uh, I do a a different version, especially getting closer to the fight, <clears throat> to make it more, I guess more quote unquote sport specific. But they'll do a bridge floor press, which in jiu-jitsu is basically like a bridge and roll. And the reason really why I do it is not just wait, wait, explain bridge, that again. You'll find out you when you do jiu-jitsu because otherwise you're gonna get your ass mounted and, and choked out. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. So when you go to bridge, right, you're pushing your hips to the ceiling, right? You have to push through the glutes. It's, it's a glute bridge, right. right, from the floor. And then from there, you have to okay. push the hips. You know, the only thing is that what I say is it don't directly simulate because if you go to push straight up and your arms go straight up, you're going to get fucking arm barred. So you don't want – but the, the motion and the muscles being activated are the same. So, like I would say, you're going to push, but you're not going to push straight up. You're going to push more in a horizontal fashion, but you can't simulate that. You fucking rig up some crazy shit that you'll probably – Maybe the jam arms. You, you see the jam. Yeah, you can do it with the but jam arms, right? I mean, if I get the jam arms that that like Sornex has, you could probably do that. <clears throat> but then again, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's gonna. I don't know if you can place them up because you want to get their arms and elbows as close as possible, right? <clears throat> how how long those levers are from oh, the, from. Okay. And if you have something that's close, right, it could definitely work. Would you keep your elbows in nice and tight? And you have a ninety degree press. You know that that's good. But I like the floor press because, again, they're coming from the floor. So you are coming from the floor. You're just going to come to the hip right. instead of, like, pushing straight up, you know. So, but whatever. I mean, that is what it is. The goal, again, like I said, is to increase the strength of the press and increase the strength of the hips and stabilize the posterior chain. So, Wait, so when they unrack it, are their hips yeah. already up? And then they – Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to I'm trying most to Most likely – that's a oh, I gotta ask I mean, you. I that, probably is have is that on your profile? At some point somewhere on in Instagram, you know, that we've done it. <clears throat> like anything that I do on my like with myself, my guys have done it and we've done it with success. So it's like mm-hmm. I'm not just basically throwing out exercises because it looks cool for Instagram. It actually is tried and proven to work. Um, right. And they like the variation because again, a lot of fighters and, and athletes in general, if it simulates or at least correlates over to the fight game, and I can. And I can, um, that's what I'm looking for. I can, uh, I guess, relay over the, the information, you know, and tell them that this is going to work for this particular movement inside of a fight. They buy into that particular movement. You know what I'm saying? It's very hard to get a get a fighter to buy into the strength to the strength training room when they feel it's not going to be conducive for whatever they're doing. And a lot of times, the misconception is that if you go into the weight room. Is gonna mess up your technique, so we don't want that, right? It's the same thing with basketball. It's probably yep. worse than basketball. Mm-hmm. To be yeah, yeah <laughs> so it was goal, terrible. Like, I mean, the goal it of is that terrible. is to make sure that you can. <laughs> and the word I was looking for is reframe, and reframe it being 
being able to say what you're doing is just like how you're going to be doing it inside the cage, the ring, on the court, on the field. And then you see their eyes light up. So when you do like a floor press yeah. from a bridge position, they're like, oh, shit, this looks just like a bridge and roll, right? Now, again, I'm not putting them in a bad position because if we're going to go max low or we're going to go sub max low even, I can't have them thrust their hips up in that fashion because, let's face it, that's not going to be safe, right? So what I'm trying to do on top of that right. is I'm trying to stabilize and have them activate their glute, right, and maintain upper back stiffness or tension, right? So as they go to retract, or I should say not so much retract, but depress is more of, the, more of what I want to see. Depress and bring the shoulders down as opposed to driving and shrugging their shoulders up where it's going to put a lot of shearing force <clears throat> on the shoulder. I'm going to bring their shoulders down and that downward rotation, and then I'm going to keep them in that glute bridge. So they're not even going to bring their hips down for the set. Right? So they're going to do the entire mm-hmm. set with their hips high. Now what you're doing is you're giving them isometric right. posterior chain strength along with pressing either power or max strength, depending on what you're doing. So you'll do that for like, could like be, a yeah, dynamic or any, max Remember, it's just lift. So the lift can okay. be okay. catered to any velocities that we want to do. Right. Um, what med ball variations do you <laughs> Man, I do, do a lot. <laughs> probably have, I probably have some that I forgot <laughs> that have been very good, you know, but usually my main ones, um, I like to have full body movement with a lot of the med ball variations, unless they are new mm-hmm. to doing what we're doing. You know, um, I'll start them off in tall kneeling or half kneeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll, I'll progress them into standing. And then I'll progress them into a, some sort of jump and throw. Because, again, if we're doing full body dynamic effort, a lot of the times I'm trying to get as much bang for your buck, I guess you would say. So I'm still getting – I want to get a jump pattern and I want to get a throw pattern right. all in the same same exercise, really. So <clears throat> whether it be a jump and chest throw where a broad jump, chest throw into the wall, um, I'll do a lateral push, stick and land and rotate back towards the wall. So now they're getting lateral force. And then they're also getting rotational power. So there's a jump, a lateral jump, land on one, rotate and throw. Um, I'll do a tall kneeling pop up to the feet, either jump up vertically with a straight throw up, up, you know, vertically. I'll go, I'll do, I've done a bunch, man. We can go through them all, but uh, tall kneeling, pop up to the feet, broad <laughs> jump, underhand toss to the rear. Yeah, uh, uh, oh, half shit. kneeling, half kneeling, pop up, lateral, lateral jump, rotational toss to the wall. I'm gonna have to watch videos. Yeah, I'm trying to write lot, all this shit down. I ain't fast There's been some <laughs> I have on my YouTube channel too as well that I go actually go through the variation. You look, Phil Derue, med ball throws. Mm. I'm pretty sure something will pop up. Yeah. Um, so, what I mean, do you do for the neck? I know that it, it, it is very important for the neck to get worked, but I promise you, when we talk about overload, like 
these guys are getting a huge amount of fucking network done in their in their wrestling MMA guys. Now boxers, on the other hand, yeah, I'll have them hit the I have them hit the harness. Um, obviously, I like I have my wheelbarrow, so we'll do wheelbarrow carries with the with the uh, sled attached to the neck harness. So they'll go wheelbarrow for the traps and the grip, and then they'll hit the neck harness with the sled attached to the back. Um, and then I'll go reverse with that. So I'll go with the the wheelbarrow behind me, the sled in front of me with the, with the neck harness. Yeah. And then I'll walk backwards with it. So now you're getting, again, traps. <clears throat> you're getting some lats. You're getting some forearm. But you're also getting the, uh, the muscle of the neck, basically, right? Hmm. Um, how often do you uh, use ladders? Ladders, huh? Listen, no, I'm not opposed to actually using it. I actually have them, right? I've seen yeah. some videos, but I feel like I see what you're doing. Yeah, you got to like, remember it's context specific, it right? So, like, I remember, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm a huge advocate of Lauren Landau. You know who Lauren Landau is? He's a strength and conditioning coach for the Denver Broncos. But I would say he's a good friend of mine. Obviously, um, we okay. both respect each other very well. Um, and he, I attended a, attended a conference um, in Dallas. We're talking about foot drills and things like that. Different. And people shitting on the foot ladder as a means, as a means of just general, general performance training. Whereas, like, yes, is it going to simulate agility? No, agility isn't, you know, going back and forth doing an icky shuffle on a, on a, on, you know, on a boxes. But what it does do is it stimulates and strengthens up the small muscles and the stabilizers of the feet and the ankle. So with that, I will use that for two ways. I will use it as a low-level plyometric progression where I'm actually looking for the ability to absorb force and redirect force in those lower ranges of plyometric, right? Like that low bounding, like forward, a light version of bounding, kind of? Um, okay. Those things, mm-hmm. not, you know, and also, um, I actually learned this one uh, from, I think who I learned this one from, but it was a, it was a, it's a it's a shuffle, but it's more of a lateral push. So it's not like a quick shuffle just to show quick feet. It's more of a how can I absorb that force and then again redirect it in a lateral fashion, right? Um, who else does this? Um, Mike Boyle does this a lot in his. I know the name. Oh, Mike Boyle has face. I know that name. Boston. Damn. It's Massachusetts. I'm not gonna say Boston because they'll probably fucking get mad at me if I say that. It's Massachusetts. Um, but yeah, he has Mike Boyle sports before, and um, he's been in the game for a while. Um, I think perform better, um, kind of advocates advocates his stuff, and he kind of works for them. And I think he works for uh, University of Boston or something like that. But he's been in the game for a while. But I've seen him do that, you know. And again, you got to think about why they're doing it. It's not to increase agility or to increase foot speed. It's more about understanding how to place and load appropriately through the hip and through the lower extremities. Um, 
and again, I'll use it barefoot because I want my guys to learn and strengthen up their feet. Believe it or not, a lot of the fighters, they don't have the strongest feet in the world, believe it or not, because they don't pay attention to it. You know, um, when I see flat feet or, or an avicular drop or something of that nature, <clears throat> I'm looking at it like, okay, well, there's missed opportunity to produce force there. So again, it all starts from the ground and then into the trunk. Right. So again, those two, those two main support system, right? And then you have the trunk, which is going to be again your primary basis of creating that torque, um, or at least from the outer extremities, right? So <clears throat> I think that with that, you know, we can utilize the fucking foot ladder in the best possible way without damaging the mm. athleticism and the nature of what true change of direction and agility is which agility is nothing but reaction as a, what right. people think of like like shuttles and things yes. of that nature right a shuttle drill or a 5105 is nothing more right. than change of direction and the ability to have eccentric strength <laughs> um how do you incorporate jump training and do you we'll get an assessment on their vertical jump. and their broad jump and assessment on their lateral broad jump and their single leg lateral broad jump because that's going to be more specific to, you know, what we're doing. Um, as far as maxing out on the jumps itself, I don't go too crazy on that because every jump should be maximal. You know, every jump, unless you're doing some type of aerobic plyometrics for conditioning, every jump needs to be high intense because it wouldn't be mm-hmm. a true – a true jump at that point, you know, it'd be more of a, more of a, more of a light plyometric drill. Um, or again, I, I guess you're saying overloading it with weights. You know, I know Louie does a lot with like uh box jump height. The only problem I have with box jumps is that you get a negative feel for what, or you get a false sense of, of uh jump, jump ability as opposed to hip dexterity. And a lot of these guys, right. like I said, don't have that so for them to try to get up on a box mm-hmm. you're putting them at risk of future injury whether it be in the hip girdle or the spine so i don't really do that um when it comes down to mm-hmm. broad jumps broad jumps have more of a direct correlation to a takedown to you know producing force finally whether it be a sprint or whether uh like i said a strike or something like that so i'll do that maximally Well, you do like a vert mat? I don't know um, if you guys have that. I do. I did have a vert mat. Again, that's the same. Coach, you still there? Oh, damn it. Can you hear me now? I didn't hear anything. No, I didn't say anything once you said you couldn't hear me, but um Yeah, now I can hear you. What I said was uh with the with the um Yeah, so with the Vertmac, uh I would do Vertmac. I would do my assessments on there. Uh, and I also use a velocity based trainer, like a gym mm-hmm. aware, where I it's it's basically like it's gonna measure out your What's your mean velocity and your max velocities on whether whether it be it's like a ten so whether it be on a barbell, whether it be on a on a squat jump or something along the lines of that, are you gonna? Yes, yeah, like I said, it's a tendo unit. 
What's the second tendon? So, I, I believe that I believe the gym oh. aware oh, okay. honestly is ten times better than the tendo unit, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I mean it's a linear transducer. It's very yeah. it's wow. it's efficient, I guess you would say. Very easy to use, um, user friendly. You can attach it to an app, and it gives me more of an accurate response. And also, I can run that through multiple athletes, right? So it gives me more of a quick change, and then it gives more information on that. So it gives me bar path. It also <clears> is going to give me um, mean velocity. It's going to give me power output, and it's also going to give me you know, where their drop off is. So again, if they have a 10% drop off, let's say, for instance, type of auto regulation. If I have a 10% drop off based off their mean velocity, then I know that, again, we're in a slight case of overtraining, or at least they're not as fresh as they should be, and we need to taper down off the training. So, gym aware. What's this thing called again? Gym aware. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking for maybe my boss can get it because we don't have 10 so to you go You're to telling me this Instagram one is much better. The DM. It's gym aware and then. Other one is really good is Flex, which is the same company, but a Flex monitor device. I think it's called Flex. I don't want to say, but it's something like that. Um, it's just F L E, right? It's a blue and black logo. It's the same company that make you know the the monitors, but this one connected to the barbell. So like, if you had a barbell and you didn't have a lot of room to place the the device on the floor and use the string. Again, it's very easy to clip on and clip off for athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would use that. So either Flex right. or Gym Aware, you hit them up, tell them that I told you about it. They should be able to help you out. I think um, they're based in Australia, so you have to kind of, it's probably not going to get back to you till later on. Um, last question. Oh no, two, two more. How often do you have your fighters do? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's depending on the athlete again, like I said, their, their abilities. Um, I would say if I had to put like a percentage on it, um, they're definitely going to hit my boxers are going to hit more one, one RMs than my other fighters, because like I told you, it's not because boxers have a better ability to do one rep matches. It's because my boxers that I work with have been with me for longer. And with me. <clears throat> when it comes to my MMA guys, a lot of them right. don't have – a lot of them either don't live here and they go back home or, again, there's so much other training demands that they do that they don't get enough frequency with me. So it's, it's very hard. So I won't do a lot of one rep maxes right. with the MMA guys. I would probably do twos, threes, and fives. Um that would vary the the sets and reps based off of the percentage, and then I would probably I would just end up increasing that over time, you know, as opposed to a one RM one RM one RM. I may do a five three one approach, like a like almost like a Jim Wender type approach, right. um, or I would do for let's say for instance, uh, I would do am if I wanted to go maximum intensity. I'd go five, three, one at about 90%. I would drop it back down about 10 to 20%. And I would have them do an AMRAP off of that to get the look, to get the overall volume done. Now my boxers, on the other hand, they're primarily going to be hitting one rep maxes on a, on a weekly basis. And again, 
like I said, that's just because they okay. have they have more time with me. Um, They're more efficient okay. in lifting, you know, because they just have more frequency. <clears throat> um, how do you warm up? Like, how do you? Have I mean, we go through our basic warm ups. You know, first and foremost, I, I I do a lot of breath hold variations. Um, I'm also certified in Oxygen Advantage, which is like a Buteco method. Um, and the main, the, the main thing around that is basically trying to increase the ability to cope with CO2, right. Uh, and saturate the body with CO2 so that you can have a better adaptive to that stress. It's going to. All right. I don't know how to breathe like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm breathing for basketball. Yeah, I mean, and breathing is a, is a Damn, very big thing. And, uh, if you look back old, like all the guys, can you hear me still? <laughs> yeah, so if you look back at all the old jiu-jitsu guys like Henson Gracie, you. you know, Helon Gracie, um, you know, all the all the all the old Gracies, they knew how to breathe appropriately. And I don't even think they were taught that. I think it was just intuition that just put to to blow all the CO2 out is more of a benefit because you don't have that negative byproduct being wasted inside the body, which is gonna cause you to obviously fatigue faster. And, and trying to create as much oxygen inflow as possible so that you can create more ATP production and you can get more red blood cells out to the working muscle. So the goal of doing breath holds and doing uh, nasal breathing is to enhance the ability to take in oxygen and also cope with CO2. So I'll do that first. And then from there, I'll do some type of stability, CNS activation, mobility, dynamic you know dynamic warm-up or dynamic movements low level plyometrics if it's lower body day or i'll do some type of um, upper body uh upper body ballistics training with med balls um especially if it's like a two-day split where we're doing uh dynamic and max effort on the same day um splitting it up in between quadrants of, of the body <clears throat> and then <clears throat> our stuff i'll go into the weight room and we'll do our strength work some supplemental accessory and condition the condition is going to be integrated into what we what we do inside the weight room so that one we don't have maladaptations of each stimulus and two we can keep things flowing when it comes down to training density like i said because again i don't only have them for two to three times a week so we got to make sure that i get all these uh these demands hit on on top of that it is just to get them in a cold environment and push them to the max where they don't have to worry about getting punched and kicked in the face. <laughs> right. Um, well, man, it, it, this has been awesome. That's all I got question-wise for you. Um, so just tell, yep. tell so everybody where they can find you on Drew Instagram, Strong, YouTube, and all Instagram that. Instagram and my YouTube. I guess you can just search it. It's Phil Drew Strong. Yeah, I got a lot of info, a lot of content on my website is drewstrong.com if you want to check out anything I got, got programs and other things online that you can check out. And then what is uh, how so much So the mentorship is, is a certification that now. We turned early. it into a uh, we're going to get it nationally accredited or at least have a CEU for oh, okay. um, for either NSCA or hopefully soon here. Uh, but Again, you get all of my methods, all of my protocols, uh, programs, PDF templates, all my videos from all my past seminars. 
pretty much all of the information I can actually give you in this damn thing. Um, and you'll get access to it for life with a one time with a one time fee, which is pretty crazy. Now that I think mm-hmm. about it, um, I spent over I, I, with college and then also the other seminars. I, I know I spent over four hundred thousand. So there you go for a thousand dollars. You can have all that for the rest of your Oh, okay. Well, all right. you'll, be, you'll be getting the credit card from my boss. He pays for all our so stuff, I'm, so I'm, I'm, be, I'm getting. I'm trying to be the coach of the people right now. Oh, people. oh, all right. There you go. <laughs> no, I'm. I'm getting. Uh, do you know Bird Sports Performance? Oh, you gotta look. Well, uh-huh. I, I mean, you're dealing mostly with MMA, but he does like all yeah. field sports, and I mean, he has. 40 inch vertical after 40 inch vertical, you know, from kids that can only jump over a broomstick, but um, he has his own cert and it's like all focused on those type of athletes. So I'm always, I'm every time I interview someone, I'm like, you know, what are you doing? What are you reading? And if somebody has their own cert, so like now I'm trying to, you know, Jason Gussick, I, 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 right. Um, So he's Westside Tactical. So he has his, but he does like, one seminar a year for his certification and just pick some random place, not even his gym. So I'm trying to look and he trains fighters and then police yeah, and army. Yeah, yeah. So trains, I'm trying to look into like places where Matt I can Wyman, get that information. Like that. Wyman, yeah. New York. Eddie Wine, and that's it. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and Eddie, that's Eddie something. Uh, yes, yes. There you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah I mean, Is he good? I don't know. Title, I don't know title back in, uh, watching. I got to start watching fights. Maybe eight years ago, he fought for a title, but he's a new. Oh, he's not bad. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, man. Well, nah, I, worry, appreciate man. That I appreciate you uh, coming on, taking the time out of the long day. Right. You too. <laughs> All right. Thank you, man. Well, that concludes this episode of the Get Clean podcast. Hope y'all enjoy and got a lot of notes just like I did. Once again, you can go to my Instagram, that's K-A-L-I-L underscore S-H-E-R-R-O-D, where you will find uh, the next episode that I will be dropping. I can tell you right now, I am visiting someone uh, in Georgia, one of the one of the baddest coaches out there. He is, you know, he's got a lot of freaks. If you can get that hint, then hey. You haven't been tuning in. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working at the at my new gym called the Rack Athletic Performance Center. So if you're an athlete wanting to, you know, change your game, come by the facility. If your coach that has any questions, drop by the facility. And if your coach that wants to come on and want to spread your knowledge and how you apply, uh, hopefully it will be conjugate to your athletes and your success and want to, you know, just get some free publicity, just let me know, hit me in the DMs, Um, so that's all I got for y'all, and I'll see y'all next week, remember, stay clean, peace.